welcome to The Stoic Lawyer. My name is Kristen. And I'm Brian. everybody. Welcome back to The Stoic Lawyer. Um, We hope everyone's had a great break, a great holiday week, um, and ready to dive into uh, some content as we we head towards the new year. Today we're going to talk about kind of just a short little little, um, book review overview of the first book that we're going to read for The Stoic Lawyer Book Club. And um, like we announced last week, that's The Stoic Challenge, A Philosopher's Guide to Becoming Tougher, Calmer, and More Resilient by William B. Irvine. Uh, the link to purchase it is on the resources page at the bottom on our website, which is thestoiclawyer.com. And we are planning to, uh, to do this first book for our, January, our new January book club um, on January 21, um, on a sa- Saturday, January 21st at 2 p.m., and we're going to do it by Zoom. We will put a link um, on our Instagram as well as on the stoiclawyer.com. So we hope you all can join us. Uh, this month, it's going to be open to everyone. And then after this first month, it's going to be a subscription-based uh, uh, offering um, as we start to add more content to the uh, podcast on the website. So uh, with that, let's, let's dive into the book. Uh, good morning, Brian. Good morning. So, yeah, The Stoic Challenge, A Philosopher's Guide to Becoming Tougher, Calmer, and More Resilient. Uh, This was one of the first full books I read um, on Stoic philosophy, I believe. And I think I mentioned it to you two or three years ago, maybe, after I first read it. Is that right? Maybe, maybe. When I read it, it was immediately my favorite thing I had read yet about stoicism. I think mostly because it's just very practical. It's a very um, practical approach to problem solving and to dealing with challenges that come up in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not as, I mean, it's, it's certainly got all of the um, philosophical principles in it, but it's, it's just very um, user-friendly, <laughs> shall we say. It is, and I like the way, and we'll talk about how it's kind of how it's structured and, and the author's approach to it, and it, it is a good um, sort of intro to the um, kind of mental fitness sort of ideas uh, behind Stoicism, and um, I think it does a good job of uh, using personal examples and uh, examples from history uh, to sort of say, you know, these are some ways, you know, we can approach uh, setbacks. And so it's it's a, um, and it's not a very lengthy book. It's under two hundred pages, I think. Uh, and the way it's written, I think you could easily read it in a weekend, <clears throat> possibly even a a day if that's just what you were doing that day. Mm-hmm. But I think over two or three uh, sittings, you could probably easily um, breeze through it. It's a yeah, it's a easy read in that way. It is. And I, I think I think the author did a good job of of. Uh, designing it that way. I'm sure a lot of thought went into that, and I like the way it's structured. So let's talk about the structure for a few minutes. Um, I guess he starts the book with a, with a trying uh, trip to the airport, right? Um, so he goes through a personal example, and, and I, I, won't, I don't want to do any spoilers in here for that. But So some personal trials and tribulations, just difficult things. Um, and then part one is dealing with life's challenges. 
and I guess it, it he, you know, he talks about, um, you know, what setbacks are, what kinds we can face, uh, dealing with anger, dealing with, uh, you know, the initial sort of anger at the situation, um, and then uh, what resilience is, and then how to become more resilient. Um, and in those sections, one of the things he talks about is, um, the first he explores whether resilience is something we are born with or something that can be learned. Mm-hmm. And one of the examples he uses is he talks about people, you know, from like a World War II era um, who are frequently thought to be very resilient, uh, you know, very tough. And then some subsequent generations since then, perhaps we are not thought of (laughs) with quite as much, um, thought to have quite as much inherent resilience. And so, again, I'm just kind of broad strokes because we want you to read the book. But essentially, from, from that evolution, he determines or, or, or opines that it is not uh, genetic. It is not inherent. Mm-hmm. We can learn resilience and we can train ourselves to be more resilient. And that's kind of the overall, I guess, goal of the book, right? Becoming tougher, more calmer, and more resilient. Right, yeah. It's, it is a, um, a practical guide to actually you know, implementing these, mm-hmm. these strategies. Uh, so then part two, he talks um, a little bit about the psychology of setbacks. And again, we won't today get too in-depth about that, but um, there's some good um, discussion of, of anchors and um, the psychological you know, idea behind that and framing. Um, and so it's, it's kind of the, the second part is sort of setting up the uh, the idea that how we think about things before and during is sort of how we react to them. I think, is that a, is that a safe statement? Yeah, and the, the anchoring um, is, is to me kind of about just putting things in perspective, mm-hmm. right? About dropping your expectation anchor, mm-hmm. so to speak. I guess that's kind of a, a very short way of summing it up. Mm-hmm. And, and he, of course, expounds on that mm-hmm. um, quite a bit, and it's, it's, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. And then um, part three, taking Stoic tests. Uh, it talks about the other Stoic, the other, excuse me, the other setback challenge. Okay, so the first being, Kristen, pop quiz. I'm sorry, what? The first setback challenge. The first challenge when you experience oh, a setback. Oh, to determine um, practically what to do. Yeah, right? what to do, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. What, what, how are you going to, to practically deal with whatever uh, the situation is that, that you've been presented with that's um, unfortunate or mm-hmm. to you a setback. Yeah. And then the, the next, the other setback challenge being... Dealing with the emotional fallout from mm-hmm. it. Um, and his approach, and with all of Stoic philosophy, you know, we, we talk about this quite a bit, that, you know, Stoics get a bad rap for being um, anti-emotion and that's really not true right Mm -hmm. it's a common a very common misconception and he talks about it's not eliminating um emotion entirely right it's it's creating a mental condition where the negative emotion doesn't bubble up and take over right minimizing the negatives minimizing the negative anger frustration um even grief to an extent uh, which he talks about. But very much embracing positive emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then um, moving on to part four, living a stoic life. This is, the, this is sort of, I guess, the more 
uh, applying the sort of the application, you know, That's right. how can readers actually do these things, uh, put into action the stuff they've been reading about, um, and uh, I won't break it all in, but studying for stoic tests, uh, embracing failure, you know, failure um, is often an opportunity and sort of kind of how we look at failure um, determines how we you know, feel about it. Uh, toughness training, expanding your comfort zone. Got to get uncomfortable. To, um, yeah. Um, I think one of the most interesting concepts that stood out to me on my reread mm-hmm. of the book, mm-hmm. and I know, sorry, I'm deviating from your no. kind of no. overview of the table of contents a little yeah. bit, but I think we're, we're almost gonna... to the, yeah, like we the last part. Yeah. Um, is he talks about how setbacks are directly tied, excuse me, to what we desire. Mm -hmm. And the way I started thinking about that is for the things that we desire, we need to look at how they correlate with our level of control. Because to me, a high level of desire, right, if it's something that you really, really want, and if you couple that with it being a scenario where you have very little control, you've kind of created a perfect storm for a large setback Yeah. because then if something goes wrong from your perspective, it's something you really, really wanted. <laughs> the likelihood of it going wrong is higher because you have no control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've really gotten yourself into a situation where you're going to need some of these strategies um, for dealing with, <laughs> dealing with, um, dealing with setbacks. Although again, part of the book is to teach you how to not get into that situation in the first place. Right, managing expectations. Managing but. your expectations and, and your desires. So, but the, the, re, the relationship and the correlation between those two things, um, this was my second time reading the book, and that's, that's one of the things that stood out to me mm-hmm. um, the most. Another thing that he talks about that I think is a good thing to ponder, um, especially as we kind of go into the new year, and I won't use the word resolution because that's you know yeah and i'm not a fan of new year's resolutions yeah brian doesn't like them we'll talk about that statistically they fail right he'll tell you all about that um but as we move toward forward just generally in life right at Mm -hmm. at times of renewal um one of the things that uh the author talks about is the most common setback being other people and we've talked a lot lately in our episode on friendship and some other ones about the people you surround yourself with and the people that you let into that inner circle and space of your life. And so this is just another place where that recurring theme right. kind of pops back up. So that's, and I think was our first episode about dealing with difficult people. I believe that it was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going way back there trying to remember that, but uh, I think way our back. first episode was about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a common theme throughout stoicism about the people that you surround yourself with, um, how you're going to more than likely become more like them. Um, and you know, even without realizing it mm-hmm. and, in this context, um, people frequently are, are the most common setback that we deal with. Right. And I like the way he um, sort of bookends the book with um, some personal stories about um, his, well, I'll say personal, his experiences at the airport. You've had a similar situation yeah. recently. Yeah, I don't want to ruin his, but I'll tell you one of mine. Right, yeah, I, yeah um, I think I know what you're talking about. I, uh, was it back in August, September? August. That sounds about right. I went to, with a friend, a friend and I, uh, we flew out to Denver, spent a few days in Colorado, and then drove up through Wyoming and s- drove, I think, about 1,600 miles through most of Wyoming. This was the origin um, of the Cowboy Prayer episode. Right. It's where we went to the rodeo. Exactly. And so, um, 
we, needless to say, it was a long trip, a good trip, a long trip. We, we drove a long way through Wyoming to get back to Denver to, to fly out, to come back home. And, um, we got to the hotel, I think check-in was maybe two or three and we're there a little bit early, maybe 30, 45 minutes early. Uh, the clerk wouldn't check us in. She said the rooms room wasn't ready. Um, I kind of doubted there wasn't a single room in the place ready, but anyway, and so we're waiting in the lobby. My friend and I were, and people started checking in and we realized, uh, everyone soon realized that she just wouldn't check anyone in the clerk that is. And some people were getting really upset about it. Um, I won't get into all the details. Um, most of it cause I don't want to get subpoenaed to court, <laughs> but <laughs> I was just sitting in the lobby trying to relax, trying to rest, uh, because it didn't seem to me there was anything to do. I couldn't do much about the situation. So I, I really did nothing. So it's a long trip back. We finally get checked in. We finally, um, we have to get up, I think it's about three thirty four in the morning to get to the airport for our flight back home, get to the airport. And there's already about an hour line wait to get through security. Never occurred to me. There'd be a line that long at any airport that early in the morning. In fact, the line was so long that people were walking by asking, what is this line for? Like thinking like it could, it couldn't be. This can't possibly be security. It can't be. There can't be this many people here waiting to get through this early. Everyone's confused. So I finally got through there. Um, and a little bit of this is kind of a blur, but we were supposed to fly from Denver into um, Dallas-Fort Worth. There were storms down in Texas. We knew that. Uh, we may have taken off on time, maybe a little late. Um, well, to make a long story a little bit longer, the, whatever it is, hour and a half flight from Denver to uh, Dallas took much longer than that. We were in a holding pattern that eventually we were diverted to Oklahoma City where we landed. I think, uh, if memory serves, we were on that plane for maybe four hours, um, four or five hours. We were told we could get off in Oklahoma City, but they said there were no available rental cars or hotel rooms. So I don't know what our game plan would have been. I mean, you could get off the airplane, but I'm not sure an airport is frequently any more comfortable right. than the seat you were already in. Yeah, and we couldn't have gotten another flight. There were no flights. Yet. So we, basically, we stayed on the plane. We finally got to Dallas. Um, we were on that plane seemingly forever. We missed our connecting flight, of course. And, uh, so we waited in line at the customer service desk for, I think a couple of hours there. Um, anyway, all that being said, it was a really long day and a half to get back home. And we observed people handling it many different ways (laughs) and we handled it in different ways. Um, but you know, it's interesting. I did not have this book specifically in mind as I was there, but looking back on it and, and, and reading the author's experiences in the airport, I have to say that this influenced me somehow because as each challenge, each individual challenge, challenge arose, I sort of just game plan, problem solve that immediate need. And then I kind of kept it all in perspective while I was really tired and it was, it was exhausting. I knew there was nothing I could do about it. So there was no point really complaining about it. I didn't find myself getting angry. Um, I, I, you know, just tried to make the best, the best of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, anyway, so I could completely relate to his airport stories. And, you know, I, I think also what helped me is in this day and time, I assume there are gonna be problems when I travel. If I'm flying across the country, have multiple 
flights, Connection. multiple connections, traffic, everything else. I, I assume something's going to get delayed, canceled. We're gonna, I'm going to end up on a bus or a, in the back of a U-Haul trying to, <laughs> you know, get through Iowa. I don't know. With like a polka band? Yeah, with a, I see, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's a good holiday movie. Uh, <laughs> you know what we're talking about. So um, If you know, you know. Anyway, I assume those things are going to happen. And so going into it, if things uh, go great... Great, and if they don't, well, you know, this is about. I guess as an example of anchoring. I mean, I, I think there's going to yeah. be a problem, and uh, more than likely. Well, I think it just also goes back to episode four when we talked about negative visualization, and that's something that um, they talk about in the book as well. If you imagine kind of the worst things that can go wrong before you go, and you just kind of think through what can you do about it mm-hmm. and what would change if you knew that was going to happen ahead of time. And if the answer is kind of nothing, right? I mean, <laughs> if you knew your connection was going to get delayed, what would you have done? Probably nothing differently, right? You can't change your whole flight pattern. Um, you know, on the day that you're coming back, you kind of just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot easier to deal with if you've already done that mental exercise and and thought through those things. So all of these themes kind of just, um, not surprisingly, I guess, are just continue to be interwoven, mm-hmm. right? All, all of these different concepts um, through the different um, uh, texts and, and books and things that, that, we, that we read and go through. It's, it's, it all just builds on each other, mm-hmm. I think, too, the different concepts. Um, I have a story that really stood out to me from the book as well, but I'm actually going to save that for the book club because we've, uh-huh. uh, we've gone on a little longer than we meant to. Um, about about the book, um, just in this broad overview. So, I'm going to save mine, and we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, here's a little teaser. Uh, we'll talk about it at, at book club <laughs> because I think one of the stories in there really resonated with me as a lawyer, mm-hmm. and and so we'll we'll talk yeah. about that. Um, so, if you haven't already gone over to the website um, and ordered the book through Amazon or just anywhere you know that you can get the book. Um, if, a, if you have a local bookstore that has it, all the better. I would much prefer you, much prefer you do that. But broadly, you can get it on Amazon. Um, and I was just looking; it was uh, the, the copyright date is twenty nineteen, and so I think I think I saw this pretty early on. I, I my, yeah, you had to have, and I got the hard copy, um, and it was, I, if I recall, when I ordered, that was the only edition available from a W. W. Norton and Company. Um, yeah, I got this. Um, I got this. I prefer paperbacks, yeah. um, and so when I ordered it, I got this lovely paperback version um grab the book uh take a day or two read it before mid-january mm-hmm. and uh send us an email or send us a, a message on instagram uh, brian always wants to say slide into my dms mm-hmm. i do um so send us a message uh one way or another to let us know that you're interested in attending mm-hmm. and and the this book, book club yeah the yeah the book club and, and, and this book what i was going to say add before i forget is that this, I think, would be a good book to introduce oh. someone to this. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. We're just after Christmas season, so maybe, maybe not you know, present. But um, a good practical introduction. And, and so I think this would be a good uh, gift opportunity. Yeah. If you want to recruit your friends to, uh, yeah. to stoicism and to uh, giving them tools to, to better deal with challenges in their lives, it's, it's definitely a great... Again, easy, like, well-written, broken-down um, version. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think it's going to be a great first book for the book club, especially right after the new year. Mm-hmm. 
so let us know if you're interested in coming to the book club on January 21st, 2 o'clock. Zoom link will be on the website and on Instagram. Again, this first one is going to be open to everybody. Um, and then after that, this is going to be our first uh, subscription offering as we work to expand uh, the content of the podcast and, and make sure that we have the ability to, to kind of keep growing it uh, with regard to content and different, different offerings. So um, grab the book, uh, read it, and then we will talk with you about it again in mid-January. This is a bonus episode, so you will still get a new episode on New Year's Day. Uh, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.